0: This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.
1: I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for Wednesday. It's trader Nick in the United States and Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Johnny. A big day of economic data, starting with the UK inflation figures, with the cost of living falling sharply to its lowest rate in two years. We'll have more of that shortly. But of course, yesterday we had your CPI in the United States. Nick, what happened there?
0: Yeah, so inflation seems to be trending down, both from today's uh, CPI out of the UK, as well as this morning's numbers as well, PPI, core PPI, both ticks lower than expected. And this is in some ways a little bit of an inflation story victory for a lot of the bullish people out there on Wall Street, people who are thinking that the Fed may be done. Yesterday, we got a 3.2% headline print, and that's compared to what was expected at 3.3%. And the previous time around, we had 37 So clearly, a better than expected reading. And as you can see clearly in the markets, what followed was just a absolute sell-off in the US dollar. And then, of course, at the same time, you had the S&P 500 rally tremendously. But perhaps one thing to mention about yesterday's rally, the thing that I find to be probably the most interesting out of anything was the breath and specifically the rustle and how just massive the rally was in that area of the market. Now, the reason that that's worth mentioning is that this year, if you're looking at indices, the NASDAQ has held up pretty good. The magnificent seven we've talked about many times on the podcast, how your Amazons and your Apples, these really foundation, you know, super big moats and strong businesses have done really well this year. Well, yesterday we saw a participation across almost all areas of the entire market. It was a really, really bullish day for risk assets. Now, that is, of course, in contrast to the US dollar, which is I think where a lot of that optimism came from. The dollar selling off just kind of points to just how much the market was hinged upon the idea that inflation's got a crack. You know, there was speculation as to whether or not that was the sole reason. Yesterday, we got a pretty clear indication that it was a pretty big one, right? So that inflation story, making the right move in terms of inflation seems to be headed in the right direction. Economic data overall holding up for the indices side of things has been really, really strong. For the currency side is as well. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what Craig has to say, especially as we now have some UK data to reflect it as well. It's been a long time since I've seen the euro sustain a move to the upside or the pound against the dollar sustain a move to the upside. It's, it's an impressive rally here for currencies countering the dollar pretty much across the board. Uh, if you look at the currency market, you've got the yen pairs doing quite well. And I'm, I'm speaking, of course, about things like the Australian dollar against the Japanese yen, the euro against the Japanese yen, You've seen some of these trades that have started, these moves that have happened in the last 24, 48 hours that we have not seen in quite some time. This this risk appetite is really strong right now in the market. So, Craig, with, uh, of course, the CPI, the U.S. inflationary data seemingly headed in the right direction, we also got some interesting stuff out of the U.K. this morning. And I guess what's your take on the currency side of things, given all of this data we've been seeing? So I think there's a few things that you've mentioned there, which uh,
2: are really interesting. Uh, The first one, obviously, being the US inflation. uh, And I think that my biggest takeaway from this was the core side, and more importantly, the monthly core side. And I think that's maybe the thing that markets have reacted most to, from my perspective. Headline CPI has been trading lower on an annual level since the middle of last year, and we're continuing to head in that direction. So big thumbs up. But it's a story that's been evolving over time, and we've seen, and the trend hasn't really changed. Maybe started to plateau a bit recently, but not too badly. The monthly core CPI, which I think is probably what the Fed's most interested in at this point, especially on the services level. Well, that's actually been gradually trending lower since mid 2021, but obviously at a much slower pace. Monthly data is much more volatile, so big blips along the way, and we saw something over the last two months, which wasn't clear yet whether it was a blip or whether it was stubbornness, and it was happening right at the point that the Fed expected it to. The Fed always said, and I think we said this on the podcast as well: getting from eight to four percent is easy. Getting from 42 is really difficult. That's where the stickiness happens. That's where the services inflation really drills in. That's where the wages make things really difficult, all of that. And in the last two months, we've had 0.3% 0.3% core inflation monthly prints. The two months before, that was 02 So it looked like we were taking that leg down to sustainable levels, meaning if you get 0.2 every month, then on an annual basis over a long period of time, you're basically there or thereabouts with hitting your inflation target at a core level. But the fact that we had two months of 03 may have been the sign of a trend either going higher again more ingrained inflation, energy prices being less of an impact, or stabilizing at 0.3, which is just simply too high, not consistent with the 2% inflation target, uh, and therefore was going to keep the conversation open about another rate hike from the Fed. The fact that that dropped to 0.2 against market expectations, market expectations of 0.3, suggests that that may be another bump in the road on the way down rather than a trend. Three, I think, is the start of a trend, probably, or possibly. Two, and then a move back lower, suggests to me that's a bump in the road. So I think that's the thing that really got markets going, do you know what? No more rate hikes. Markets before this were pointed to a 25% chance of another rate hike from the Fed over the next few meetings. Now it's zero. Markets are saying, no chance. We're done. Now it's about when the first rate cut's going to happen and the pointing towards May time. So that was my takeaway, really, from the US inflation print. The UK inflation print, I think, was really encouraging too. We were expecting a large drop from 6.7 to 4.7. And we actually got a bigger drop. We got 4.6. The Bank of England was expecting 4.8. So last month, when it voted 6 to 3 to hold rates and not raise rates again, it did so on the assumption that inflation would be 0.2% higher than it's turned out to be. So that's really important as well, because that suggests that, again, we've seen the peak in interest rates, because if only three policymakers vote for a hike when they think it's going to 4.8, then at 46 it would suggest otherwise. And we saw a drop in more, a bit of steeper drop in the core CPI as well to 5.7, 5.8. Still a long way to go, but very much headed in the right direction. And there's further disinflationary pressures, which I think will have a, an impact over the next six to 12 months, but albeit not by two percent uh from one month to the next this was very much to do with the energy price cap uh, in particular uh which rose last october and fell this year uh, and then things like disinflation in food prices and then the, th- the third point you made which was really interesting was about the currency markets because we have seen some big moves in the currency markets i think the most notable is the us dollar which you alluded to earlier and we saw a huge drop yesterday i think that just really reflected market saying no chance we're done no more rate hikes we're taking that 25% and we're throwing it in the bin. It's, we are done, and now it's about when we're gonna start cutting. And that massively hit the dollar yesterday in a way that, I mean, when I'm looking, we saw a very similar-ish drop, but to a lesser extent, maybe a week and a half ago, but well, apart from that, I can't see another drop like this since maybe July. So this, since then, the, the dollar has been going strong. So this was a really significant day, in my opinion, in terms of the US dollar and expectations for interest rates. But like you say, across the board, we're seeing big moves. You mentioned, I think, Euro-Sterling, where we've seen Decent moves to the upper end of a range today. We're talking about the upper end of like a six-month range. What's interesting is from a chart perspective, from a technical perspective, that momentum looks to be running a bit thin. So it's going to be an interesting one. I was actually looking at that currency pair just before the podcast. Keep your eyes peeled to uh, marketpulse.com for an article on Euro Sterling. probably by the time you're listening to this. But uh, well, that looks to be running a bit thin on, on momentum. But again, we've seen some big moves today, today. And with that being a currency cross and two similar-ish currencies... It's always interesting to see that one unfold. Uh, And then you talk about the yen. I mean, the yen still running weak. We're still seeing a lot of intervention chat, but it's still trading around, well, actually above 150 against the dollar. But we are seeing very jittery moves there, uh, which I think is another interesting one. So we've said for a long time, the last two or three months of this year, I think is going to be really interesting for these markets. And we're starting to see that unfold.
1: And as far as the dollar is concerned against the pound Craig the pound has actually dropped today against the dollar is that a reflection of that lower rate than was expected as far as the CPI is concerned
2: yes absolutely we so we see the lower headline CPI we see the lower core CPI we see interest rate expectations uh pared back that little bit further well actually now no expectation of another interest rate hike but now it's about when that first rate cut is going to happen we've seen uh, a lot of people talking about i think we've talked about before it, late the second quarter It could be the point. Hugh Pill recently suggested August would be a reasonable time frame to potentially expect that first rate call, though he tried to row back on it a couple of days later. Clearly, um, someone, um, maybe Governor Bailey, had a word with him and said that goes very much against what we're trying to say here, that don't contaminate the message. The message is higher for longer, now, or sufficiently high for sufficiently long. So now I want you to go out and say the complete opposite and confuse everyone, which he did.
1: I've seen some suggestions of, of, you mentioned the end of the second quarter of June, Uh, today. And uh, we spoke last time on Monday, Craig, and we're talking about how politically important this was for the current government here with the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak promising to halve inflation a year ago. He's now achieved that. And should we see interest rates start to fall, say, in the middle to the latter half of next year, then that would be a good time to call an election.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, if you're asking people to get to the polls and doing so when interest rates are falling and you can declare job done, you can say we were successful, we got inflation down, we kept our promises, the economy is going to bounce back from here, the The hardest times are behind us, and that's because of everything that we've done in the last two, two years. And yeah, that's a, a great time to be calling an election. But again, it's a very close call because while that's what markets are thinking now, markets have been optimistic for a long time. So you can imagine the leadership are going to be looking at this for uh, the next few months and trying to work out what's the latest point we can possibly do because obviously there's pros and cons to every time of the year but ultimately when you're at the peak of your interest rates and you know you're now going to see a rate cutting cycle in an ideal world the election from the conservative party's perspective would take place a year later because that gives time for interest rates to fall by two percent for the economy to recover for people's uh, income uh, and savings to recover and to feel like they're in a good spot rather than they could be heading in that direction. Obviously, this year around this time would have been the absolute worst because this is probably when people feel uh, most worst off. So it is. I think it could be uh, play a big role in how that election ultimately goes, whether it is in 12 months time or 15 months time, whatever. I think it could have uh, an important role to play. And as you say, markets currently You mentioned June, markets currently see around a 60% chance of a rate cut in June.
1: Very interesting. Finally, Nick, you've had some retail sales figures in the United States today.
0: We have and retail sales basically came out this morning, and uh, they were overall pretty good. I mean, you know, you kind of combine loop everything that we've discussed here uh, about the inflation side of stuff um, coming down. That that's serious progress in the soft landing idea that I keep bringing up on the podcast. But the other half is keeping the consumer in there they got to stay you know afloat the, the way you avoid a recession and potentially have that soft landing idea is that the consumer doesn't completely fall off of a cliff and uh, retail sales staying staying you know better than expected here today is just a nice cherry on the top of uh, what overall has been a nice round of data um, you know the at one point the the idea of a soft landing was, laughed off of every uh, podcast and every financial television thing on the planet. And now it seems to be kind of becoming the mainstream idea, which is um, very interesting to see. Uh, by by no means have you know everything has everything gone perfectly for the people who are in the soft landing camp. But it's been interesting to see how this data is shaping up. It's pretty clear. You look at retail sales today. You look at PMIs. You look at uh, a nice list of things. Economic data seems to be hanging in there, while the Jobs are cooling. Uh, but again, a lot of times people think, you know, I, I, I brought this up on our last podcast. I think the next battleground is how much is this cooling going to go? Is it going to become a problem where? You're going to start seeing, um, you know, bad uh, bad data be truly awful data. You know, right now for the last year we've had this weird phenomenon where, like, cooling and slowing economic data has actually been good for the markets because it's doing the work of the Fed, trying to get them out of the uh, the need to rate hike. Well, now I think things are changing. I think now we're entering into a, a little bit of a paradigm shift where good data is good data, bad data is bad data. And so we're going to get into that kind of shift, I think, where if you get jobs numbers that are Awful going forward. If there if there's you know too much slowing, that's a different battleground and a different topic for for a future podcast for sure. You know, as we approach the next round of data, we want to see that um, you know we don't want to see it spike up because that could re uh, excite the Fed on the the interest rate side, but we also don't want to see it dramatically lower either and um, you know tip the scale of back bring in the recession team again. So I, I think. What markets are going to be looking for is uh, economic data that looks stable, but not too hot, not too cold. So we'll see how that plays out in the coming months.
1: Dare I say it, normal service will be resumed? Perhaps not. We shouldn't really uh, count our chickens too early. And of course, we haven't seen any broadening of the conflict in the Middle East, and that could change things uh, overnight if that was to happen. But very interesting, guys. We'll speak to you again on Friday. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Johnny.
0: Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.